Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Culture Conversations. Hey guys, how are you doing? Good. I'm doing well. <laughs> All right. As always, I am your host, Miranda Manier, news editor for The Chronicle, and I'm here today with... Micah Thurston. I'm the advertising manager for The Chronicle. And I'm Mike Rundle. I am the senior photo editor. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we're actually, we're going to start things off today with just a little trigger warning that we're going to be talking about some really heavy content involving child abuse and worker abuse. So if those things are going to be uncomfortable for you to listen to, um, we'll make sure to put the timestamps for them in the description so you can skip. So, Micah, let's, uh, let's kick things off. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want to talk about today? Yeah, so our favorite American family, the Kardashians. Oh, oh boy. Let's talk about that. those ladies. That's a bold statement to start off with. Amer- are they not your favorite American, American family? <laughs> um, actually, I guess we're talking about the Jenners because I'm talking about Kylie Jenner. She's mm-hmm. technically not a Kardashian. Mm, same but anyways. Right. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. So in... I believe it was mid-November she was named, you know, a self-made millionaire. That's when it first came out that she was officially a millionaire due to her business, uh, Kylie Cosmetics, where she sells $30 lip kits, $30 lipsticks. Um, So (laughs) uh, Forbes released another article pretty recently, actually. I think it was just on Tuesday um, saying, at 21, Kylie Jenner becomes the youngest self-made billionaire ever. Um, so... <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> that means that she's beat out Mark Zuckerberg, because he was the f- he Whoa. was the youngest self-made billionaire. He was, um, 23 when he started Facebook, and she is 21, I believe. Um, so she's beat him by two years in terms of age. But particularly what I wanted to talk about was the concept of self-made. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's, it was just kind of, I don't know if this is a good place to start, but was Mark Zuckerberg like self-made, like actually, or did he have like, I know he went know? to Harvard, so I assume yeah. he, he had, had some money. sort of family <laughs> oh, money. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's a good question. Was yeah. Mark Zuckerberg self-made? I would say, self- I mean, self-made? everything is relative. So like comparing Mark Zuckerberg's self-madeness to Kylie Jenner's, I would say he probably made himself more than she did. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that. I don't know, that's so not great to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because obviously she was already coming from like a supreme place of financial privilege. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think, I saw this tweet like yesterday. It was about some social influencer named Emma Chamberlain. And it was like Emma Chamberlain partnered with Louis Vuitton for Paris Fashion Week at 17 years old. What are you doing? And I was like, I'm going to college. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and someone like retweet commented it and was like, she's also like white and thin and rich. And like, she has all that going for her. So yeah. Bad. Right. Um, yeah. And like, that's what that makes me think of. Yeah. Like yeah. Kylie Jenner was doing fine already. Yeah. A lot of privilege comes into the play mm-hmm. when considering like these self-made billionaires, yeah. I think. And Forbes did release a counter article, which is actually linked in this article where they call her self-made saying, why Kylie Jenner is self-made. Interesting. Um, Do tell. (laughs) They stated that to be, this is exactly what they said, to be clear, (laughs) Forbes defines self-made as someone who built a company or established a fortune on her own rather than inheriting some or all of it. So what that means is that she did build her business with like without any loans from her parents or without any loans in general. But then again, did she really need those loans? (laughs) Like right. I would I would wonder 
what her financial capital was then. Like, yeah. how was she? She had no loans going into this. Like, I, she, yeah, I don't. It's know. not like she had like a part time job in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, someone had to have given her money. Yeah, I but mean, I mean, they, they, they all have have always had their own net worth as soon as they yeah. were on TV. Like, they've all made some type of fortune off of their show, true. off of their just their name. So mm-hmm. her part time job was selling like fitness tea on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> probably. So. I don't know. And it was like they immediately were influencers like from the show. So like whether or not or like if it was financial capital that like the wit that you know like would disqualify her as like self-made or if like she didn't have that so like technically in the eyes of forbes she is self-made because mm-hmm. it's like financial mm-hmm. but like in terms of like social self-made like she's already like it, she used that that social awareness that she gained from the show and from her mm-hmm. name to build a company mm-hmm. yeah so i would like I would say if anyone is self-made in that family, it's Kris Jenner. <laughs> like, she is the one who has, like, built that empire for them. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, once that show happened, they all already had a platform. So oh, anything yeah. beyond that was, like, right. them mm-hmm. just building upon it. It wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily yeah. self-made. Yeah, and I don't want to, like, I don't want to ever discredit, like, someone's work, especially women. I mean, it's great to see women doing amazing things like this. Um, but I feel like with the platform that the kardashians and the jenners have i feel like they should definitely be saying something about their privilege Mm -hmm. and not just like oh yeah i have a million instagram followers it's just the way i live my life and it's like no like use your platform for something like can you at least acknowledge that maybe you you are where you are because of what was already laid out for you i just that acknowledgement would mean like a lot i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah it's not like we're talking about somebody's like grandpa that you know like started repairing bikes in his garage when he was like 12 and now he like owns schwinn bikes or something like that like that's exactly that short story mike that's great (laughs) that's hilarious because that's exactly what my grandpa did like he owns his own business now so when i think about schwinn bikes no (laughs) disclaimer he owns a guitar store and his was very self-made like he started working at like i don't know a guitar store and then he got fired because he didn't know anything about like drums or anything like that he only knew stuff about guitars so he started selling guitars out of his garage and then he bought a little shack and then now it's like a huge thing he has like three locations so i don't know that's self-made that's self-made it's so hard for me to compare that to what kylie jenner did because kylie Mm -hmm. jenner already had this following and already Mm -hmm. had a platform so like Yeah. yeah you don't, think, have, you don't yeah. have the clout going into like selling guitars out of your garage yeah, yeah. like you, you like you have there's no like social track he didn't do it yeah. for like aesthetics right exactly yeah yeah yeah, so. yeah I and know. i think there's also like there are a lot of arguments to be made that like kylie jenner was building something off of the aesthetics of a different culture and a different race than her and so like I, I think that that's difficult to call self-made as well because she was just building off of something that really wasn't hers to begin with mm-hmm. i don't know Amen. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, so I don't know. I th- I feel like maybe not. Sorry, Kylie. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Kylie. Sorry, Forbes. I respect the verdict hustle, in. but... Is the verdict in? Forbes is wrong. Forbes is wrong. Well, by their definition, they might be right. Yeah. But by our definition and the majority of the population's definition, I would yeah. say they're no. probably wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So moving li- right along... Um, I want to talk about something that's been in the news a lot lately, but I don't really want to, like, debate the details because it's a very sensitive thing and, like, it's hard to really talk about that. Um, But 
Recently, HBO released their two-part Leaving Neverland documentary about Michael Jackson and um, the two men, James Safechuck and Wade Robson, who uh, have accused him of um, sexual assault. And I I really just, like, I, I haven't watched the documentary yet. I've been doing some reading about it, and it's really just gotten me thinking about something that I don't think we've really talked about on Culture Conversations yet, which is separating the art from the artist. And it's something that I've had to think about a lot um, as, like, all of, like, the Me Too movement has taken off and more and more allegations have come out against various celebrities and actors. Um, So there has definitely been some social response to the documentary. Um, Radio stations, I know definitely in New Zealand and Canada, I'm not sure if any in the U.S., have stopped playing Michael Jackson's songs. A lot of people have basically just started, like, decrying him and saying that they can't be a fan anymore. And um, there has been buzz about things he may or may not have done for a long time, but it was almost treated as a joke for a long time. Um, So now people are saying, like, okay, we're taking this seriously, basically. Um, So, I don't know. I I think that it's really difficult, especially because he has passed away. So it's, I I don't really want to get into, like, did he do it or not? But how do you guys feel about supporting or appreciating the art of someone who has done things that you don't necessarily agree with? regardless of specifics. And if you want to give examples, feel free. But, like, the general idea. I think it's difficult um, to do what you said, to separate the art from the artist, especially now when um, kind of everything is everywhere. Um, I don't know. It's it's a lot to kind of unpack. Um, but I... I don't know. I don't I don't really know. I've never I haven't really thought about it too much because like everybody, you know, um, something comes out that is negative. It's like immediately like the boycott idea. Yeah. Like cancel culture. Right. Such a thing. Right. Yeah. And um, I mean, like personally, I um, so I, I don't. I, I wouldn't play any R. Kelly songs. I won't play any Chris Brown songs, um, things like that. So uh, I guess I'm kind of on the side of um, I would not support them any like because of things they've done. But, I mean, I think that's just I, – like I personally just like have a hard time distinguishing like, you know, if somebody's going to like you – know, music is such like a personal thing for a lot of people mm-hmm. that if like they put – a lot of effort and personal like energy into something that like can you separate the art from the artist like if is is the art not the artist in another form like um i don't know that's that's a really good point it's just like a just a, a weird little like nuance i think yeah i think like, for me it's always been like this two-sided thing because on the one hand i totally agree with you like if someone has those behaviors I believe that they must have in some way informed the art that they've created. Like a really good example for me was Louis C.K. When the accusations came out against him, I was very conflicted because I had always really enjoyed his comedy and also really enjoyed his show. I thought that it brought like a really interesting perspective that hadn't really been seen on TV before. Um, And when I had to think about it, I realized that like the things that he was accused of doing 
were often brought up in his comedy. And, like, he, he sort of joked about doing something like masturbating in front of someone a lot. And so it was really difficult then for me to go back and try and watch his show, which I'd really enjoyed and still appreciate to an extent, without, like, separating that, really. Like, I couldn't get out of my head, like, oh, he's joking about this almost as a way to, like, cover up the fact that he did this. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because it was content that I liked. Like, I thought it was a good show. I thought he was a good com- comedian. Um, and on the other hand, like, I I wanted to be able to still enjoy it, but there's also this side of it where it's like, if I am consuming things that they have created, I am still effectively financially supporting them in some way. Even if it's just, like, money from a Spotify listen, which is nothing, but, like, is still money. If just, it's, yeah, like, on the principle of the Exactly. Thing, yeah. In mm-hmm. some way, me still consuming this thing, that this person who has done something I don't agree with, is going back to them in a way to support them. And I don't love the idea of that. So it's kind of like you said, it feels like a principled thing, but I also want to be able to appreciate the things that they've created. Like I, I like the movie Annie Hall. And when I watch it, I can see the parts of Woody Allen that I don't agree with and don't like, um, but I still like the movie. And so it's, it's difficult to, I don't know, it's a really hard thing to separate it. Mm-hmm. And I've struggled with that a lot. I feel like in a visual medium, it can be a little bit different. Like if you, um, like if something happens with someone and you literally like physically have to watch the person doing, like if whatever they're doing, like if they're an actor, for example, like um, it's something that another thing I really haven't not considered, but like if you're, I feel like it might be different if you are just listening to this person, but if you're actually like looking this person in the eye and you're thinking like, like you have all these like thoughts in the back of your mm-hmm. mind about like what this person potentially did. Um, and then like have to like, I don't know if that has anything to do with anyone's interpretation of it, but I feel like that could make it a little more like visceral, a little more impactful. If like you're actually seeing the person rather than in a case with Michael Jackson, you're, I mean, for the most part, you're just listening. Right. Um, and you don't actually have to like see. It's easier to detach Right, it. right, mm-hmm. exactly. That's a really good point. Well, I think that we also have to consider like their legacies and what they mm-hmm. mean to people and why it's so hard. Because if you think about like, like a smaller artist, it's like, oh, they're canceled, and it means nothing. Right. But with Michael Jackson, it's like, this is a life decision. Right, that's a very different thing. Because, I mean, if you just think about like what Michael Jackson has done for, you know, pop and dance and just, I guess, also the black community. I mean, I think about like R. Kelly, Bill Cosby and Michael Jackson. And those are three like very important figures in the black community. So it's like one after another, it's like a punch in the face. (laughs) Like Bill Cosby is the black, one of the black comedians. Like we all grew up watching his show. Um, The Huxtables were were like iconic. They were such good role models for young black people. R. Kelly, the king of R&B. Michael Jackson, the king of pop, you know, it's like, that's why it's so difficult because I think Dave Chappelle said it best. He said it in such a silly way, but he was like, think about it. Like, think you're like six years old and you're eating chocolate ice cream and somebody tells you chocolate ice cream did something really, really bad. Well, dang, I like chocolate ice cream a lot, but now I can never have it again. (laughs) It breaks your heart. I can never have chocolate ice cream again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, 
it's more than just like music or TV shows. Like it's also about culture and like having to give up those things. So I think that's a really good point. And that's like, that's a perspective I don't have to consider. (laughs) So like, Mm -hmm. I think that that is really important. And I think that like with Michael Jackson in particular, his legacy and Bill Cosby, honestly, like the legacy they left for like representation in general I think we're really important and it's like that is the part of me that wants to be like we can separate this work and this legacy from those actions Mm -hmm. because I think when you watch the Cosby show like I don't I don't have the same sensation that we were talking about Mike like I don't see the parts of that artist that I don't like like I don't see the creepy Bill Cosby I just see the Bill Cosby who is playing this like family man and it's the first time we've ever seen something like that on Mm -hmm. TV Mm -hmm. and so I don't know I think that like there are exceptions for me to be honest and I don't know how I feel about that ethically like I don't know if that like goes against my morals or my principles Mm -hmm. but I do believe that because I can't be like I never want to listen to Michael Jackson's music again because I do want to do that and I do want to appreciate all the things that he did and so I don't know. It just makes me really sad. It makes me wish these people didn't do the things that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Also, yeah. I mean, also for the the victims as well. Yeah. I don't know. It's It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. I don't know. Um, that's the thing that I don't have an answer to. It's not as easy <laughs> to like have a verdict for that as it is for mm-hmm. Kylie Jenner. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like every time it's a new celebrity with more allegations, it's just going to make it harder, I think. Mm-hmm. It's going to be someone I appreciate or, like, even if it's someone who I dislike already and I hear these things, it might, like, make me feel like I'm justified in disliking them, but, like, it shouldn't be like that. It, it should be able... I feel like it should be able to, like, have those things be separate. I want it to be that easy. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with empathy and uh, things like that, but it, it kind of goes into the topic that I brought to the table today, uh, which was based off of um, an article written by Casey Newton at The Verge, which is part of Vox Media. And uh, it's about this company called Cognizant, who is uh, essentially a third party hired by Facebook to be content moderators for all the content that is flagged on um, the Facebook platform. And... uh, Again, as Marina said before, there's some topics in here that are generally sensitive, um, but uh, it's so it's essentially this article uh, went to uh, some former and current employees of Cognizant and talked to them about like what they had to do and essentially the effects that what they were doing, um, like at, at like how it affected their themselves and the culture of the company and the people around them. And um, this article starts off with, and just to kind of set the tone, um, it, it, it talks about uh, someone going in for a job interview and a stage of the job interview is you have to watch a video and determine whether or not it would violate policy or not. Now, in this case, the video was um, a video of a man being stabbed to death and like begging for his life. And obviously that would be something that would violate policy, but the idea was that this person had to sit there and watch this video. 
And um, the result of that was them running out of the room and going to the bathroom and like just breaking down. Um, so that kind of set the tone right out of the gate. But just like some, some general ideas about Cognizant and what they do, um, the key findings from this article um, included um, the moderators in the Phoenix office make just twenty-eight, uh, almost $29,000 a year, while the average Facebook employee has a total compensation of $240,000 oh a year. Um, let's see. Uh, the, uh, the, the bathroom breaks of the employees at Cognizant are monitored, like and they get like one 30 minute break a day and their bathroom breaks are monitored by everyone. And um, the report says that two Muslim employees were ordered to stop praying during their nine minutes per day of allotted quote unquote wellness time. Um, employees can be fired after just making a handful of errors a week. Um, somebody started bringing a gun to work to protect himself from like former disgruntled employees. Um, oh they, uh, like people are having sex in stairwells and like rooms for lactating mothers and what people are calling trauma bonding. Um, and then on top of that, uh, the com they're the people that no longer work there are developing PTSD like symptoms and then, and they're not eligible for any support from Facebook or Cognizant because they no longer work for them. Um, so it's. A very strange situation and uh, there's a lot to dive into and one of the things that kind of drives it all is this figure called accuracy and it's a little bit different in this sense um, but essentially the the employees at Cognizant will get about 400 pieces of content per day they'll spend about 60 seconds on each piece of content to determine whether or not it violates the rules or not and um, if and every so often they'll be audited by full-time employees at Facebook. And if their accuracy rate is not like, a, like, like the goal is 95%. And, uh, and the article states that that's like always just out of reach. Mm. And um, that just a, like a few mistakes can get you like tossed out the door because you're not like meeting the requirements of Facebook. And um not to like, I don't I want to get in the conversation, but um, another thing it just like to kind of start it off is that so they have this idea of protected characteristics and um, they get they get sort of muddy in the protective protected characteristics and Radiolab did a podcast on this episode or on this uh, topic as well. And they kind of unpack it a little bit more, but they Facebook defines protected characteristics as race, ethnicity, national origin religious affiliation, sexual orientation, orientation, caste, sex, gender, gender identity, and serious disease or disability. And um, something that, uh, this rule must have been changed, and that's the thing that people like don't agree with at Cognizant is that the rules are always changing. Hmm. Um, for example, someone uh, stated that he saw a post that said autistic people should be sterilized. And this he said, despite the fact that he thought it was offensive, it stayed up because it didn't meet it. It was not autism at the time was not a protected characteristic. Interesting. So my thing is the th after reading all of this, like my one of my big questions was like and like thinking about the trauma that they go through and like the two big things for me was like, is Facebook a public message board or are they like? A news organization hmm. and they're and they're always playing catch up with these rules but like would it ever get to a point in which 
people on Facebook feel like they can't report something out of empathy for the people that are reviewing things. That's a, that was the thing that came to my mind. Was that like, are you ever going to stop reporting your uncle's racist Facebook comments because you don't want to have to have this person like review it? That's so interesting. And there's just so much to go around, but like I don't want to talk too much just like by myself. I don't want to. <laughs> no, like, I'm glad that we got all of that information out there. Right. Like wow. And it's yeah. Wow. I, I mean, to that last question, my immediate like knee jerk response is I think that people are not empathetic and considerate enough to have to like think that Mm -hmm. sophisticatedly about it right Mm -hmm. like i think that people don't consider that that's a person's job like i certainly have never thought about that until this moment (laughs) like (laughs) i i don't think about the person who has to sit there and decide if it's if it should be taken down or not. So I think that people probably wouldn't get to that point because they just wouldn't, it would be like a dehumanized thing. Like mm-hmm. I, I think I've always thought it was like an algorithm or something. Right. That determined yeah. that. And that's like, the, apparently that they're like working on like some sort of like robot to do this. But yeah. the problem is that language is so nuanced where it's like somebody, like one example, one big example that came up in the radio lab thing was like, is this woman tweeted like, 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 kill all men or something like that to that effect um and gender is a protected characteristic Mm. so that's comes down but now when you have like the like senses of humor and like the like what the idea of like what's funny has changed so you could say like um you know like oh like i'm gonna like kill this guy whatever like (laughs) men are pigs like whatever right and like you have to i that's the problem that they're having is like you have to have a human element to actually like read it and understand context that's a really good point so i don't know i mean (sighs) something that also occurs to me like i don't know if you guys have seen the kind of responses that twitter gets to like harassment that takes place on twitter but people think that twitter is like extremely lenient about that stuff and like if someone flags a tweet or like complains about someone harassing them twitter tends to like go in favor of the person who is harassing and be like no it's fine so it's interesting to me to think like what is the difference between their approaches mm-hmm. and like i'm, I'm curious how yeah twitter twitter is like a playground for like nazis yeah, and exactly. like trolls and racists it's like it's a free for all on twitter it's yeah. very interesting yeah so always, i mean yeah maybe it's like a noble thing that Facebook is has like actual set rules that are, mm-hmm. or I mean, granted, Twitter might as well, but they just don't enforce them that well. Um, but uh, it's just, and it's so strange to think about, like, because obviously there is an incredibly dark side of any social media that mm-hmm. like most of us do not see. For example, the video that I brought up with the job interview, like. Yeah. I have never seen anything like that on Facebook and maybe the people, these moderators are to thank for that. But like, uh, it's just things that like the scale of like what can be, or what is reported, um, going from things like that to, you know, someone made a comment that was like racist or something like that. Like there's such, just like it runs the gamut on like what can be reported. And then kind of going back to like, is Facebook a public message board or a news organization? (laughs) When the biggest problems that they mentioned in this article were when you have things like mass shootings and for the one in the radio lab, it was uh, the Boston bombing hmm. was there was a photo that uh, was it depicted someone who had just had their legs blown off by this bomb, essentially. And they were in a wheelchair and they were being pushed. And um, it was 
the the somebody got reported and it was like going through the ranks like in in cognizant and in facebook and they were trying to figure out what to do and it was determined that they should leave the photo up because it was newsworthy but in things in the past things have been taken down because they're they they violated the rules even though that might be considered newsworthy so and that's yeah. A thing that could also be talked about is Facebook's, like, identity crisis. Like, are they a news organization or are they this message board thing? See, I don't like that. Even if I agree that, like, it might have been newsworthy, I think that when you start cherry-picking like that, if you decide, mm-hmm. like, well, this is okay even though it technically breaks all of these guidelines that this other thing that we took down breaks because it's newsworthy. Like, I mm-hmm. think that that line can get blurred really easily, mm-hmm. especially because Facebook has gotten in a lot of trouble for like getting involved politically and like cherry picking content and sort mm-hmm. of like right. the fake news ads and stuff that it was pushing for a while during the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. Like I think that that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Like if they're going to have these rules, they should have these rules. And if they mm-hmm. try to get involved in like a political agenda or something, that is them leaning away from being just a public message board, which is what I think social media should be mm-hmm. because like it I don't know. I just I every reminder that I get that social media platforms are technically private companies are is so gross to me mm. <laughs> because we all treat it like it's this public thing that we all have a right to have access to. Right. But that's not what it is. It's these companies trying to make money and trying mm. to like push their agenda mm. and so I hate that. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny cuz that exact thing you talked about as far as like enforcing the rules and having the rules if like what's the point of having them if they're just going to change that mm-hmm. type of thing is pe- something that people all the employees were citing and saying like this is why like people bring guns because people get fired for not enforcing this because their performance is all based on whether or not and a Facebook employee agrees with what they did like wow. that's all that's what it's based off of these people are making and so much money like more exactly than so making. people are like like they people have told nice. stories about like i'm gonna meet you in the parking lot and like beat you up because you're affecting my performance rating and just because you don't agree with me so people are like wow. trying to protect themselves because like you fire somebody and they're like it's just it was based on a disagreement yeah and it's just like this the idea of these people having to go through this is for a company that is sourced by Facebook, who is supposedly like a tech leader and innovation leader, like you would think they have some sort of, um, I don't know, like program safety net or something for these people to like be able to cope. And the interview said that the counseling services that the, the company offered were like extremely subpar. And, and obviously post like, post-employment they don't really have anything from facebook so Mm -hmm. like if you can't afford any sort of services you're kind of out of luck um but i mean obviously the company pushed back and said like we have counseling services that everyone can access this time this many times Mm -hmm. a day and all this stuff but um i think two things that stand out to me about that first is that it is technically not facebook it's another company and Mm -hmm. that feels really like, Facebook doesn't want this to be their problem kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah. they wanted to be able to treat these people so poorly, but yeah. they didn't want it to be under the Facebook brand. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're outsourcing this other company. And also, I'm really wondering if any of these workers are going to take legal action. Like, mm-hmm. if that's, I mean, Facebook is, like, that's a whole other thing. That would be really difficult to try and win a suit against Facebook. But if it's against Cognizant, mm-hmm. like, I'm wondering if they will be able to get any kind of compensation, especially if they, like, 
are diagnosed with PTSD because right. of those conditions. Right, and mm-hmm. I think one of the things that might cause issues with that is the the, the NDAs that everyone has to sign. Oh, first. Man. So immediately when you go in the place, it's NDA because it's the matter of uh, user privacy and, you, I mean, like, just all that. You're not supposed to talk about anything. Like, somebody worked in an article, somebody talked about working from home, and they black out their windows and, like, barricade the doors so their kids don't get in and no one outside can see. So, wow. like, it's... Um, and they, they really don't set you up for success in any way. Um, but in a job that's essentially like a 911 dispatcher almost, like, it's, mm-hmm. like, you... Is there a way to succeed? Mm-hmm. You know. Think, <laughs> I feel like we're playing ping pong. Uh, no, I don't really know what to say. Um, yeah, that that's a good point. It's it's kind of like a nine one one dispatcher. Like yeah. they're both in these pretty crappy conditions. They have to deal with these traumatizing things um, with not very many re- resources or supervision or assistance from their supervisors or anything like that that's really disturbing mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't think there's anything else that can be said about that yeah. other than that's disturbing yeah that's kind of how i felt about it too it was like i don't really know what my direct thoughts about this are because like obviously content probably should be moderated because right. like you don't want mm-hmm. videos again like i keep going back to that one you don't want stuff like that for people to see but like um like, couldn't you just, like, at least treat the employees better? You would think. But, like, I it, would hope. yeah, I don't know. Especially, again, like, it's Facebook, like, or a third party via Facebook. Yeah. Like, yeah, when automation yeah. is taking over the every job industry, this is one that yeah. should, it <laughs> should be. Really need it, yeah. I don't think yeah. people would mind if a robot took their job. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, yeah, I don't. And... I was going to say that earlier, but then you went to the point of like, well, language is very, you know, subjective mm-hmm. and it has t- to do with tones. I don't know. Robots can be pretty advanced. <laughs> and I think that like, I think they be, could do it. Like what tends to happen when you automate jobs is then you'll just have someone like supervising that. Mm-hmm. There will be like a human who is able to like look over what they're doing and make sure they agree with it. Mm-hmm. So like that would probably be the ideal situation in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like it's just someone hovering over the robot making sure that there is like a nuance to it. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like the human should not be going through that. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Tough stuff. Tough stuff. But since we added our fun little segment where we all talk about something happy that's happened in the past couple weeks because we really need it after this episode. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, I would just like to just express my appreciation for uh, the Jonas Brothers music video for Sucker. I really enjoyed it, guys. I thought the aesthetic was a lot like The Favorite, which was an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, I don't know, like all of their fiancés and wives just played like a really cool part in it. They were all like very powerful and sexy and like, I don't know. It was very fun. I liked it a lot. That's my happy day. <laughs> Weren't people like saying something about how um, Nick kind of became like, he like renamed himself like the the head Jonas brother or something like that? Or like wasn't Mike, Joe like the leader? <laughs> No, no, no. I was, just, I was just asking because, like, I don't really know that much. I'm just like curious. Like, I don't know All right, anything well, about the Jonas episode, Brothers. Next episode, we'll talk about the Jonas Brothers hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's always last. Aww. It's true. <laughs> Yikes. What's uh, your happy thing? I won't ruin yours. <laughs> I mean, there. I feel like there's plenty of ways to ruin mine. But 
So my, I just, I saw a story this morning. I think it was a couple days old, but a story about a guy near Bend, Oregon, that survived for three days in his car, um, stranded in the snow just by eating Taco Bell sauce packets. Man, uh, it was uh, him and his dog, and they. This is your happy thing. This is my, no, but <laughs> he survived. He's, it's just, but like, I mean, they're fine. Like everyone's yeah. fine. The dog's fine. He's fine. Everyone's in good spirits. Like everyone's okay. I just thought it was funny that like Taco Bell sauce had <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, to build <laughs> to, yeah, to, I mean, granted, three days, like, you could technically survive yeah. for three days, I guess, That's but, true. like, it was just um, that was just, like... That's amazing. I hope he gets sponsored by Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> true. He deserves that spawn con. Yeah, definitely. Micah? Uh, mine is a little late, but hashtag Oscar so black. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, lots of black people wanted the Oscars. It was really awesome. Spike Lee got his first Oscar. Um, Regina King won Best Supporting Actress, which I was rooting for, but I wasn't expecting, so that was really nice. Um, the woman that did costume design, I don't know why I keep forgetting her name, but she won Best Costume Design for Black Panther. Um, yeah. Which I think we called in our predictions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Marichelle Lee won Best Supporting Actor, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was good Oscars, I guess. Heck yeah. It was good. (laughs) All right, well, on that note, thank you all so much for listening. Please be sure to tune into our YouTube channel for the Columbia Chronicle to see the visual portion of this podcast. And (laughs) special thanks to WCRX, Chicago's Underground. We'll see you all again in two weeks.